0: Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that would be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Hey, welcome to another B-Side podcast. My name is John Robinson. I serve as one of the pastors here at Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania.
1: And my name is Matt Luloyan. I serve alongside John as a pastor here at Liberty. And good to be with you on this bright and sunny Memorial Day Memorial in Pennsylvania. Day,
0: Pennsylvania. It's finally, it's going to get warm today, man. Again. Fin- oh my gosh. Summer 3.0? Spring 3.0? S- spring, yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep re- –
1: reboot the computer had one few, more time. <laughs> had a few reboots. I think maybe it'll stay at this point, but you I know, hope so. maybe too soon to say.
0: Uh, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's it's a great day also to, um, yeah, be thankful for those who have given their lives <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for for our freedoms and yeah, uh, grateful for that for those men and women who've served
1: um, and given the you know the ultimate cost. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. So we'll get some celebrations in, in their honor and uh, enjoying some of the freedoms that we do get to share mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy in this country. A Little later today, maybe a little cookout, cookout kind of day. Yeah, man. Outdoor day mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but before we do that, before, before our I, festivities before, begin. Yes. Let's do a little uh let's do a little recap, a little act 17. Oh my gosh, act
0: 17, the last. Yeah, the last for a while yeah the last sermon until we take a break during the summer Mm -hmm. um go through summer in the psalms the psalms yes
1: summer uh, in the psalms psalms
0: (laughs) yeah summer summer um yeah and then uh we'll jump back into acts 18 in the fall
1: we will you know what i just thought of what'd you think of we need some like salty the singing songbook references in summer in the psalms I, I did you, you grow up? Did you grow up on salty at all?
0: I uh, salty was around. Salty was around. Salty wasn't uh, wasn't my jam.
1: Did you Did you ever have a right lifetime right. ambition to dress up as a giant book and dance around with kids? Of
0: the two of us, <laughs> and those who have dressed up as mascots. Oh
1: shoot! You're right. Oh, you're uh, right. I'm the much more likely candidate. You are much more likely. I I have mascotted in the past. You and You have mascot. Man, I didn't. You're right. You're exactly. <laughs> I will bring back the, salt. I will have to wear a salty mascot, find a salty mascot costume and wear it, wear it and for at least one preach, Sunday. Preach, preach, in, preach the in the salty
0: from the salter. Oh my hey, when,
1: when we really, when we resort to those kinds of gimmicks to like bring people in, I'll retire. I'll just call it. Well, I guess I'm not old enough to retire. I'll just quit. I'll just hang it up. Oh man. But I did grow up on Salty, the singing songbook. Oh my God. Absolutely uh man christian subculture video and uh like mcgee and me oh, and i love mcgee and me quigley's village and no don't remember that one oh no. man and like veggie tales was like kind of after our it time was it after. was like just maybe starting yeah. when i was like in i don't know middle school but yeah so maybe, anyway yeah we could we could, we could <laughs> share oh some gosh. stories <laughs> but, <laughs> touche, I am much more likely to be the, the salty mascot-wearing oh wearing person. Yes. Oh, goodness. All right, but that's Psalms. That's Psalms. That's Psalms.
0: Something we'll to look forward to. cross that bridge when we come to it. Send your requests in now <laughs> to see Matt dress up as Salty, the singing song. Version.
1: And if you had the privilege of avoiding Salty in growing up years, you could just Google it and you'll see, you'll see what we're referring to. Salty the singing song, but or don't or don't. <laughs> or don't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Uh, like, you know, what a what a
0: what an incredible book, an incredible word from the Lord um that we we've been able to receive over this semester. And hmm. uh I've just been super grateful for Acts and uh what it's challenged me in and uh I believe challenged our church in. And hmm. just want to uh, yeah, just take some moments to rejoice that. In that this this week with your group and, and and reflect on the ways that you've been challenged. I think those are, those are helpful things. But yeah. Acts seventeen, yeah. um, man, I think this for a lot of people is is the chapter in Acts that that they they maybe know the most, maybe appreciate the most. Mm-hmm. Have have uh, when they think of Acts, most people think of Acts chapter seventeen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul. Paul at the Areopagus, at least in the past couple of decades, has mm-hmm. been kind of a, a well-known, often repeated yeah. uh, um, encounter, an episode in his in his um, missionary journeys, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because um, I think there's some similarities culturally from Athens to yeah. to our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, some famous churches named their church Mars Hill, which is, that's what Areopagus means. What? Uh, several of them, there were, there was uh, one in Michigan and there was one in Washington state. And, uh, there's probably some other ones that we don't know about as much either, yeah, yeah. but, um, so that because of all of that, Acts 17, like you said, John, is a, is a, maybe a more well-known part of, of at least these missionary journey chapters, uh, yeah. of the book of Acts. And it is packed. I mean, it is, um, We've done. I've done a seminar before on conversational apologetics, mm-hmm. where you just focus in on like how do we in conversation engage people with uh, the gospel? Mm-hmm. And how do we um, do that winsomely and with gentleness and respect? Mm. Acts seventeen is a is a core text for that. Yeah. Um, you get we were able to in the seminar kind of thing, we we're able to do a little bit of a deeper dive into okay, Paul uses their own poets. Mm-hmm. So, are there bridges that we can build from our own cultural examples yeah. that don't require prior scripture knowledge? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. you could mine Acts 17 for multiple weeks and, and do a really deep dive yeah. into it, as opposed to the, the kind of flyover that, uh, that yesterday was kind of looking at the whole thing all in one, yeah. one fell swoop.
0: No, it was it was really good. I think I think the ways in which uh, we see Paul contextualize the gospel um, really do help us inform us and um, and can shape the ways in which we see evangelism, see gospel presentations, and um, and I think need to need to mm. see need to see the gospel's ability to flex. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, I think that's super important. Um, I think it's super helpful as well for us um, to see that as like, hey, Paul, Paul does this. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we're putting putting people, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of of faith. Like Paul's, Paul's probably going to be up there. And we're yeah. seeing Paul be yeah. able to uh, contextualize the gospel to the people of Thessalonica, the people of Berea, and then, you know, the people at the Areopagus mm-hmm. in Athens. And so, um, yeah, to know that and to and to see, like if you haven't seen this anywhere else, um, you've seen it here in Acts 17, how the gospel can speak to anyone from any culture um and be relevant, and what we believe to be also relevant in any time and place. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we see that I think you know, in a very condensed picture here in Acts 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we looked at yeah, we looked at those those kind of uh, three three points that you made. You know, content, context, and compulsion. Yeah. Um, so content meant like as we're kind of getting into content, a lot yeah. of people will look at um, contextualization Mm -hmm. and go, Hey, I need to change the content to make it palatable, palatable, sure. Uh, for where I'm at and who I'm talking to. Right. Talk, talk a little bit to content, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a huge difference between changing the content of the gospel and changing the approach to how we share the content of the gospel. So yeah, I, I would say it's a compromise to to change the actual message of the gospel to try to make it just kind of fit um, beyond what it what it actually is. And that's where just wanting to even sit, clarify yesterday. it's so I think it's okay to use the word gospel as this you know um, adjective for so many other. Things, yeah. Um, gospeling, I, yeah, adjective. Yeah. It's a verb. It's an adverb. It's like it's yeah. it's a it's everything now. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of ways I appreciate that because it's we're, a lot of people that are using it that way are doing it because they they're trying to be centered on the gospel. Mm-hmm. We just got to make sure regularly that we're remembering. Well, what is the gospel again? Yeah, and it really is what Jesus has done and that faith in him and his finished work is what saves us from our sin and reconciles us with God. We, we just have to be really clear about yeah. that, um, that it is a message that is to be believed. And that is how right. salvation, that is how we experience salvation. Yeah. Um, so now the implications of the gospel are massive mm-hmm. and the, the scope of, of, and how that specific work of Jesus fits into this wider scope of the work of God mm-hmm. is huge. And that's where, so, so, I would say, you know, there's t- there's really two things that came to mind. I was only able to talk about one of them yesterday in the sermon that really help us kind of f- f- um, flesh out the, the content of the one true gospel uh, in ways then that can be really helpful contextually in different in different mm-hmm, contexts. Mm-hmm. So the one I talked about yesterday was what we might call for shorthand um, chronological Bible storying. Or oh, chronological yes. Bible, we, and John, you yeah. and I and a couple other elders and folks from our church got to go to a seminar mm-hmm. um, and learn about chronological Bible storying recently, mm-hmm. which on the one hand was really encouraging because I think it's something we, at least in in terms of our sermon series and how we think about preaching, try to do. And it is mm-hmm. to essentially say, help people understand the whole story of God, that the Bible is one story, yeah. that it all points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the more we understand that, I think that's one that's one thing that really helps us explain who Jesus is and what he's done, and help it actually make sense to other people because it, it's got this background of what was yeah. building up to it and yeah. then what flows from it, where mm-hmm. it's heading into eternity, you know, yeah. his reconciliation of all things. But
0: which is also, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll jump in, just jump in here real, real quick, um, is what we do because yesterday was family worship Sunday. So we'll yeah. give a yeah. quick little overview of. This is what we do in our kids' classes. Yep, uh, we do chronological Bible story. It's a three-year journey that we take our kids through through Scripture, pointing them to uh, where do we see Christ in this? Where do we see the the big picture of the gospel through all of these stages.
1: What's that curriculum called, John?
0: It's called uh, the Gospel Project. The Gospel Project.
1: It's got that it's word "gospel." Gospel. In it. There they, you go. They, they, they,
0: they <laughs> the Gospel. Content. Yeah. Yeah. The Gospel. The content.
1: That, that's good. Um,
0: but yeah, so that's like we're trying to do that um, in so many different areas yeah. of what we do on a Sunday morning yep. and then throughout the week is try to remind us that. There is a bigger picture happening, you know, Mm -hmm. 66 books written over 1500 years by 40 plus
1: authors. Yep. We have one story. That's good, man. That's good. And it's, um, for those of you who are familiar with this, particularly if you've got kids, grandkids kind of in that age range, uh, it's also the way the Jesus storybook Bible sets mm-hmm. out to, to help every, every story point to Jesus. Yeah. So we're, I mean, this is by no means novel. This is not like a new thing we just kind of discovered. No, this is not something that liberty just knows. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, I mean, there's, yeah, there's giants on, on whose shoulders we stand as we talk about chronological Bible storying, mm-hmm. but there's, um, but it's a really helpful, It's really helpful content for us to have very internalized, for us to see how do these various parts of scripture point to Jesus, Mm -hmm. because that actually helps us contextualize the gospel, not change it, but it gives us so many different entry points to to do that. So that's one. The other one I didn't get to talk about at all yesterday, but we've talked about it different times before, is really learning to appreciate all of the different pictures and metaphors in scripture for salvation. Mm -hmm. So it's not changing the content at all, but scripture itself offers us, I don't know, eight or nine, ten, there's probably more. Um, I, you know, the metaphor that's often used is facets of a diamond. You can mm-hmm. look at you can look at the diamond of salvation from these multiple vantage points, and there are these, and scripture itself gives us different metaphors. Yeah. So you and I, John, mm-hmm. as you know, American Protestants, mm-hmm. uh, when we hear the word salvation, most of us, our mind immediately goes to justification. Mm-hmm. Which is an absolutely you know clear in Scripture and faithful um, picture of salvation. It's it's the courtroom picture. It's the yep. legal picture. Second mm-hmm. um, Corinthians five twenty one. This great exchange mm-hmm. where our sin is placed upon Jesus, His righteousness is placed upon us, and then He takes our you know He takes our the our sin and ju- God's judgment against our sin upon Himself. Yeah. and We get all the benefits of His perfect yeah. obedience and righteousness. Yeah,
0: that was Luther. That's Luther like all day long.
1: Yep, great exchange. That's great the exchange. yeah, and it's beautiful it's an amazing picture mm-hmm. um so use it it's also not the only picture and so you've mm-hmm. actually got other metaphors and images for salvation all throughout scripture you've got um sanctification the the washing or cleansing picture you've got mm-hmm. adoption which is the familial picture mm-hmm. brought into a family you've got new life yeah. you know death and life you've got darkness and light mm-hmm. um you've got liberation freedom from which sin. is one that we named our church yeah, after absolutely you were enslaved to sin and now you've been set free so yeah. you've got you know, that, there's just a few, but there are these incredible uh, pictures of of salvation that, it, you know, we're talking about not compromising the gospel. Well, those are the biblical pictures in Scripture itself mm-hmm. of salvation. So we're not we're not talking about trying to compromise the gospel, nor are we trying to be reductionistic and only pick one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but you can use any of them as an entry point right. with people and with a given with any person especially as you get to know that person conversationally, like mm-hmm. one of those, one mm-hmm. of those pictures might mean a, a, an incredible amount to the, mm-hmm. to where that person is right now. Yeah. The legal picture is still gonna be important for them to learn at some point, but maybe the adoption picture is yeah. like, they have a really broken family life mm-hmm. and a really messed up father mm-hmm. who, you know, they, they you know, yeah. So like that could just be a great inroads to talk about the fatherhood of God and that you're adopted into a family of a perfect father. Yeah. Um, As opposed to trying to make them go through the, the gauntlet of the legal picture first and then figure out the adoption piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it. it like we were saying, like there's so many pieces of this that, uh, that will fit into in not just cultural context, but individual context. Yeah. And so like to know those, to believe those, to be able to articulate those things mm-hmm. are really helpful for us as people who try to live faithfully present lives in communities and, and may, and will by God's grace have opportunities to have these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And so uh, seeing these pictures, pulling out these, these truths from scripture and to be able to articulate them to people as you are having those kind of conversations. So that's, that's content. Yep. Yep. Um, we talked about context uh, yesterday and I think that's uh, maybe like in a bigger way, the thing that's kind of in front of us, we see three mm-hmm. different contexts mm-hmm. We see the, uh, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Berea, and then I don't know if it's the church at Athens, but like it's the, it's the,
1: it's Athens.
0: Sure. You know, and yeah. so we've got, we've got this Just a happening. few people left
1: behind there at the end. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, absolutely. There, you know, the church, the church was for sure established there in Athens mm-hmm. um, in that moment. And so, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about context because, you um, we're talking relatively around the same region, and we've got different contexts, yeah, yep, so even in central Pennsylvania, we're gonna have different contexts mm-hmm. how do how do these three um three things we talked about like hostile, hungry, and open, or skeptical,
1: yeah, right? yeah, I think that's I think so um so Berea and Thessalonica actually are fairly similar contexts in that they're both in macedonia mm-hmm. um they are both um uh, at least the at least what we have from Luke's account of of this missionary journey Paul goes to the synagogue and a lot of his interactions are at least you know from what we see here are with um Jewish people in the synagogue and god-fearing gentiles yeah. and then it says in both places also not a uh not a few of the leading women leading greek gentile mm-hmm. women so Contexts are actually pretty similar in those two places, the one exception being the receptivity from right. the folks in Berea. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, that's an important part of, of context. Um, so classic kind of example. I, I was part of a campus ministry in college. Uh, I was part of crew. That was, the, that was the campus ministry I was part of. Every campus ministry kind of has its, that, that's, that does evangelism and discipleship, has kind of its tool that it, that it often trains students in to help share the gospel. And I don't want to knock tools because, um, man, like the transferability of them is really helpful. You can mm-hmm. learn something. You can kind of internalize um, a clear and concise um, way to share the gospel with someone else. And and at least in many contexts, it gives them at least an opportunity to understand what, what Christians believe. and right. Decide, hey, yeah. I want that or I don't want that. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to knock tools. The hard thing with tools, though, is that it it's. It's desi- it's designed pretty indiscriminately based on receptivity of person. It's right, like right. my thing is going to be I'm going to get this I'm going to use this tool to get a gospel presentation and a, usually a decision in front of you. Go, let's go. Here we yeah. go. And I think those tools tend to work really well when someone is closer to that hunger side of the spectrum. Sure. Yeah. As opposed to if someone's hostile, if someone's skeptical or cynical. Mm-hmm and you're and you come across like hey, i'm here to like get you to a point of decision. I'm here to get this thing in front of you that i learned how to do. ABC, always be closing. Always be closing. I learned this tool. I'm excited about this tool. I'm going to put this in front of you now. Um yeah. that tends to not go well. And it, and if anything, you know, i mean, man, let us never be cynical to to quench the Holy Spirit, you know, like mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can use anything and the the most stumbled over, least clear presentation of the gospel, the worst, most, you know, you know, cheesy tool that you can think of. Check I had, track. I, Evangel, Evangel cube is the one that comes to mind for me. We, I was trained in an Evangel the, cube. The, once. Word, the
0: wordless book.
1: <laughs> the wordless book. I don't know that
0: one. You don't know. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: So that's, you know. There's some cheesy tools out there, but God can use all of that by the power of the spirit and, and has, and has, and has. So, you know what? So I, I, I say what I'm saying here with, with that recognition and an appreciation for people that just do this more faithfully than I do. Absolutely. Having said that, I do think particularly in a, in an increasingly post-Christian culture, it's worth thinking deeply like Paul clearly did about how he was going to share the gospel with people. And not kind of going in yeah. indiscriminately with one tool and just saying like, Hey, let's have a tool belt. Mm. Let's, let's also have a love, love for people yeah. that, that like perceives where they might be at in their own receptivity. Yeah. And don't feel like some, some of it's our own patience and our own trust in God's sovereignty too. that. We mm-hmm. don't have to get someone to a decision in this conversation. If clearly they're just not there. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. just not there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. How did I get into that? So, receptivity is part of context yes that's that's the point there (laughs) and we're back (laughs) and here we go (laughs)
0: yeah and then so like finally um you know we talked we talked about compulsion and i think that's man i i think if we struggle with anything um we can we can have tools we understand context and content compulsion Mm -hmm. Matt, like that is man like that's that may be where we struggle in our context the most. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you, have you seen that? How do you wrestle with that even personally? Uh, How can you be an encouragement to um, yeah, our church people listening
1: um, for compulsion? Um, Personally, I just, I think I just realized a lot lately how, how easy it is for me to live a compartmentalized life. Mm. So, as a pastor, vocationally, in a huge number of hours of my week, um, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm thinking about spiritual things. I'm leading people in spiritual things. I'm preaching from the Bible, right? Um, I care about these things deeply. I wasn't always a pastor. I didn't set out to be a pastor in my vocational life initially. So there, were, there, were, there was a time when I feel like my life was less compartmentalized, where I I was kind of in the course of just everyday life. Mm-hmm um always trying to to think about um you know people that I'm around do they understand the gospel how can I care for them how can I love them now at least at least where I'm at right now the the struggle is okay because this is also a job it's mm-hmm. a vocation you know it's vocational it's it's too easy for me to kind of like go uh, okay I've got my like hours that I'm on and my hours that I'm off mm-hmm. and so like in certain times I think if I was really keeping in step with the Holy spirit, being attentive to what the spirit was doing around me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those off hours, just like the vast majority of people in our church and the churches that don't, that aren't vocationally in ministry mm-hmm. where it's like, th- these are the moments where we have that chance to like, as every, as part of his everyday life and conversation, be talking to people about what's important to us, which yeah. is for, for us who are Christians there's nothing more important to us than, right. than Jesus and what he's done for us. Yeah. And how that, of course, how that fits into this broader scope of all of God's redemptive work. <laughs> So that's the battle in my own heart is just, man, I can just live too compartmentalized and just go like, yeah, I'm off right now. I'm home. And that, you know, I I don't want to overreact there. I there's times when it's really necessary and right for me as a husband and a father um, to be just pouring into my family and my kids at home. And so I don't hear what I'm not saying, I guess, in this. Um, So I think that compartmentalization could be, could be the issue uh, for at least for me, it is, and maybe for many others that they just kind of, you know, have these dividing lines of places that they're supposed to talk about Jesus and places that mm-hmm. they're not supposed mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And it's actually in the places that we're probably not, quote unquote, supposed to that actually missional living and evangelism happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one. I, I The thing that really jumped out to me, John, more than anything from Acts 16 or from Acts 17 um, is where is where Paul is in, in Athens and he's provoked that word provoked, like mm-hmm. just flew off the page at me mm-hmm. <laughs> last week um, in prepping for, for the sermon. And he, you know, he's walking around this gorgeous city. Athens wasn't quite as pretty in the first century AD as it was in like the fourth and fifth century BC, but it was still really nice. Um, and he's like, you know, like, like I might be a tourist going like, wow, this stuff's incredible. Paul's mm-hmm. like, this is idolatry. Mm-hmm. This is terrible,
0: yeah.
1: and and these people are so, you know, lost and 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 on this path of destruction because mm-hmm. they've rejected the living God, yeah. and that idea of like how how provoked am I because I mm-hmm. actually recognize what idolatry is and, mm-hmm. and that it's an mm-hmm. affront to God and what that also means for the souls of other image bearers mm-hmm. if they persist in that idolatry. I think that's man like there's. Um, you know, I think if we the, the more that we perceive what idolatry is, yeah, and how it actually is hurting and wounding people, I think that becomes this constant source of compulsion yeah. to say, like, man, let me help people get out of that. Yeah, let me at least let me at least uh, share with them mm-hmm. that there is another way that yeah. that, that, there's, that there's, a, there's a there is a one true living God. Yeah. that they're missing and they're mm-hmm. devoting themselves to something that yeah. cannot possibly give life. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought you were... You helped us kind of define a little bit maybe in a broader way than what we've um, we kind of come into this picture of idolatry um, mm-hmm. thinking thinking about like um you know when we think of idolatry we think of like an image people bowing down to an image and kind of um, you know, worshiping this, this idol, right? That's, that's the picture sure. that people are like, yep. well, there's not a lot of idolatry There's you know, or we can make things idols, but like what, what really is the essence of idolatry um, is a devotion to something or, or someone, right? That, yeah. That doesn't ultimately deserve the worship, the admiration, but it's also another aspect of that is like um, people thought that there was a provisional aspect from idols, mm-hmm. right? They would worship these idols because um, they got something in return from them, or they could manipulate them in a way, either through sacrifice or uh, these sexual orgies that would occur mm-hmm. in these temples and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, so that they would be able to receive or have a blessing upon them mm-hmm. that uh, that these deities would give them, and so yeah. Um, that, when we expand what this picture of idolatry is, uh, we can see a lot more connections, I think, culturally to our, mm-hmm. our time and place mm-hmm. and how people look to things in the same way um, that ultimately do not bring them the fullness of what they're, the desire of their heart is, mm-hmm. where only God can and only the gospel can be um, their, their true uh, passion and desire and their provision. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's, um, yeah, there's, so I'm, I, I mentioned a couple in the sermon the other day of like, what, what, do I, what are idols right now in our, in our life, in our culture? Yeah. Um, so the ones I mentioned the the day were accomplishment, accumulation, it's kind of like materialism gaining, you know, gathering things. Um, man, here's two that are, that I feel like are pretty timely right now. Safety, mm. um, and, and, you know, as we're trying to continue to regather safely from a pandemic, um, safety for some people in our culture is a very, is an idol has become an idol. Mm-hmm. And in the idea that we can, by human intervention, mm-hmm. um, avoid any kind of risk or threat to right. life health or all, all risks or threats. And we, and what we're willing to what we're willing to offer up the offering, the sacrifices of what mm-hmm. we're willing to offer up for safety. Um, man, that, so that merits tons of conversation, but that's an idol as is, let me take the other flip side of that in this cultural moment, individualism, uh, mm-hmm. independence, my, my personal rights where we go like my, it's me over anything else, you know? So there's idolatry all over the place on both sides in this cultural moment. I think that's important to notice, yeah. uh, work and leisure, political or social ideologies. Mm-hmm. I, I just opened up the gospel centered life, which is a great book written by Bob Thune and Will Walker some years ago. Uh, chapter six in there has a great list of idols that are, um, they just even use like the sin of gossip, for example. And like, here's the heart idols that might exist underneath that. And they just rattle off a bunch approval, control, reputation, success, security, pleasure, knowledge, recognition, respect. So like, Mm. man, I I mean, yeah, if it's helpful, if you're like, man, what are idols? I, we could find a couple of lists from people that have done a little bit more of an exhaustive, uh, search of, of different idols. Um, and, uh, in, you know, in current cultural um, situations, not, not the stone and silver and gold ones.
0: Yeah.
1: And there, it's a really helpful diagnostic to see in our own heart where we are prone to idolatry in an ongoing way. Uh, but man, it's also a way to be provoked uh, culturally mm-hmm. and then therefore have that compulsion to share Christ. Yeah, no, that's good, man.
0: Yeah, I, man, so much of the, um, of this, this section, this half of Acts um, has has helped reorient and, and get me really excited for uh, what God is doing and is going to do um, and has done, man. Mm. And, and like, man, let us let us let us remember um, and be uh, spurred on mm. by God's faithfulness in previous generations. Like, what we're reading is not just a fairy tale or a mm. right. uh, a story that someone told, like these are actual events, actual people, actual places that we see on the pages of scripture who um, have gone from uh, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and God's glorious son. Mm -hmm. And so uh, rejoicing in that and believing that God still does do this kind of incredible work in our day, mm. and that we get to participate in this.
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: Um, as partakers of the divine nature, we are participants in God's work and ministry, mm. um, and seeing people truly um, being liberated. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to kind of like let's riff on our name for a little bit, man. Yeah, like, um, we we get to we get to be the abolitionists. Mm. Right. Of uh, of people's souls hmm. um, through the power of God, and through the power of His spirit um, at work. And so, uh, yeah, like let's let's take this, mm-hmm. take this um, the semester's worth of just diving into the book of Acts hmm. um, and let it propel us forward. Yeah. Into what God would do um, in our time and place.
1: That's right. Man. Well said. <laughs>
0: So, so we are, um, uh, we're going to take a
1: break for yeah. the summer. We might throw a few, uh, special episodes so, out here yeah. and there. Yeah,
0: if we'll- you do have
1: questions as we get into the Psalms and you want to send them our way, great. We might not do it every single week. We probably won't do it every single week, but, um, we'd still love to hear your questions. We'd love to like yeah, tackle them. Absolutely. If, even if we can't do it on a podcast, we can try to respond to you directly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're grateful for, you know, we, we hear from multiple people um, that this is a helpful resource. So we're thankful for that. Uh, we want to keep being helpful. So um, feedback, thoughts of how we can do that well, questions that you do have, keep sending them our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see you a few times maybe over the summer and yeah. then uh, look toward the fall to be back a little more consistently. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, thank you guys for joining us, for tuning in. Uh, we will be taking a break, but, uh, you know, keep, keep. I don't know, what is it? do they subscribe? I don't know. Whatever it is, however, you get notifications. Like keep those on. We'll drop some episodes this summer.
1: We uh, um, we we haven't figured out our professional podcasting like sign off yet. We're like we're still working we're on still that one. <laughs> stuff.
0: As you can tell, we're very highly organized. Um, and this is highly produced. This episode brought to you by salty. salty the- the- <laughs> That was perfect. Yes. Yeah, hey guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot those over to us. Uh, matt at liberty.org, John, liberty.org. I'm glad to follow up with you. Hope you guys have a great Memorial Day week. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds See you.